Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up? What up? All right. What up? And uh, today we have a very special guest. He is a friend of the show, and he is host of one of the Benchbot podcasts. It is our boy. Drumroll. Did you guys catch that on the mic? Yes, no? Yeah, I caught it. I caught it. Awesome. It is, I'm going to butcher is the middle part, but I'm just going to say Simon Gordon. What up, Simon? That's closer than, so I, I go on a radio show that a good friend of mine hosts, uh, and he always calls me Simon Gordon Sharon, so I'd rather you just omit the Sharon than get it out of order. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is it Sharon? Is it Sharon? I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother, because I so confusing. bad. I, I mean, I butchered poor, uh, poor Seth Rosenthal. Oh my god, I just did it again. <laughs> Fucking damn it. I you mean Seth Rosenthal? Seth yeah. Rosenfield? Seth yeah. Rosenberg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I butchered his, uh, name, like, while he was on the show, and I was like, god, how embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, so I'm like, I'm not doing that again, but I did do it again, so. Simon's but, uh, also a member of the tribe, so, it's in good company. Oh, look at that. You're a part of the tribe, Simon? I, I am, yeah. Okay, that's good. No, neither one of us are a part of the tribe, in case you Great. were, in case you were wondering. Uh, I wasn't sure about you, pretty sure about Schwinn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. So, um, on today's show, we're gonna focus mainly on the Pacific Division overview. I mean, th- there's not too much Knicks talk, so we wanna kinda branch out and kinda talk about other teams. I mean, I know it's a Knicks podcast, but you guys kinda wanna have different takes on different teams as well. Like, we try to keep it as NBA as possible. But before we get to the Pacific Division, we we need to talk about Frank. Um, so exploded guys, for eleven points. Yeah, a huge, giant eleven points in a in a victory against Team USA in the the FIBA World Cup. But if you guys weren't watching it, it was it was more than just like eleven points. Like it was seven of them were in the fourth quarter, and he locked down you know all NBA guard Kemba Walker. I know there's people out there on a on the internet right now, we're trying to downplay that it's the uh, it's the USAC team, but let's not forget that Kemba Walker is an All NBA player, and they have and young Dwayne Wade, and they have young Dwayne Wade, who's uh, who was who's now was he a dark horse MVP last year, or is it going to be this it's year? It's apparently yeah. The word on the street is he's a dark horse MVP this year. Dark yeah. horse best player on a title team this year. Yeah, definitely yeah, young Dwayne Wade. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's not like these guys aren't you know, it's not like Team USA is like not you know void of talent. But, um, yeah, so, like, Frank outplayed both Kemble Walker and Donovan Mitchell. And- uh, I, I don't know if I would say – Donovan, he had a game. He, he like, carried them that game. But, anyway, he did – he sunned fucking Kemba to death. Okay, so let's ex- – okay, fine. He didn't sun Donovan Mitchell, but he definitely locked down Kemble Walker for the entire game, and he outscored him in the fourth quarter. And he hit, like, two huge threes to, you know, prop uh, France to victory. Um Schwinn, this was a huge game, I, I think. I know it's just the one game and it's just the World Cup, but I think it's a huge stepping stone for Frank and the idea of, like, he did this on a huge stage and, like, carried his team to the semifinals. That's that's big to me. Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, like, the World Cup, sure, for us it's not a bit that big of a deal. And, like, obviously you can tell with what the top 78 players in America didn't play. I mean, that's fine. I'm not trying to, down- I'm not trying to downplay it either. But, um, like, you can just tell with, obviously, how – American players took it. It's not like a big deal to us, but every other country, it's a it's a huge deal, um, and it's reflected in their team selection. Like Serbia, they had well, I think they have four or five NBA guys on that team, Jokic mm-hmm. included, Bogdanovic, uh, 
Boban and I think there's another guy. I can't remember. Whatever. Either way, the point is, you know, every other country takes it very seriously. So like Giannis played for Greece, right? It's not exactly like guys were running away from this that weren't American. So it's a pretty big deal for them. And I mean, honestly, it's not that I'm like a French basketball historian, but I'm pretty sure this is the biggest win in their like national team's history. Uh, anytime you beat the United States, obviously in a competitive competition, regardless of who's wearing the, you know, the red, white, and blue jerseys, the American ones anyway, um, regardless of who's wearing those, it's a big win. And they, they, I mean, they just, they out, they frankly outplayed them. Um, I thought that as much as I was clowning Gobert in our PNT Slack just for, mostly because people in like, on Jazz Twitter were talking about how he was controlling the game, which like, I mean, it's a really weird way to describe what he was doing, but he was the best player on the floor for sure in that game. Um, and, you know, something I was talking about throughout the game, even before Frank went off for seven points in like the last, whatever it was, eight minutes in the last quarter anyway. Um, like I thought that he was pretty clearly just like making a huge difference because in both halves, as soon as he went out, all of a sudden the U.S. was able to like penetrate a will. And that was even on certain occasions when Gobert was still in. So, like, you know, even if Gobert was able to rotate over, they were able to kick it for a three or pass it to a cutter for a layup on the weak side. Like, it was just you could tell the difference. And, like, you know, you can't boil defense down to one guy or even two guys. It's very hard. But he made a huge impact. And obviously you could see it with, like, Kemba, who had had a really good tournament to that point. Uh, I think he was – 15 he was averaging basically 15 and 6 and then he held him to 10 on 8 shots and zero assists uh so you know as uh, you know he 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 definitely did a really good job on Kemba and then obviously the fact that he ex- I mean I he basically I, I thought he led the comeback uh, which isn't to take anything away from like Fournier who was amazing in that game and Gobert who again I said was the best player on the floor but you know, they were down seven when they came in, and if you look at the sequence, it was like Frank assist, Frank assist, Frank three to tie it up. And then he, I think he drew a foul on Harrison Barnes after France got a two point lead to get them the ball back, and they went up four. They go up six, and then he hit that like, I mean, I know that, I think it was that when they were up four, he hit that dagger like sidestep. On a closeout, he sidestepped Kemba and then just elevated for a shot with the shot clock expiring. It was a long two, actually, not a three, which is semi-annoying. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably – that that is the best performance of his career to date, especially when you just consider the stakes, the stage, and the situation towards the end that he, that he came into. Um, yeah, I mean, that takes the cake, and I don't want to take – I don't want to say too much about what does this mean about him coming into uh, training camp and what this means for his third year in the NBA. Um, but I've pretty fervently been like a Frank believer. Um, maybe not to the extent that I think he's going to be a star, but you know, I, it just, it's like, it's funny watching him on France. Cause I think anybody that is a believer of Frank is also of the opinion that like, he's the type of player who plays best on a good team. Like his value shines through more on a good team than it does on a shitty team. Um, and 
you know, just watching France, it kind of drives it home because they have an actual system. Shout out Fizzdale, get a system, bro. Um, and like, you know, they just, the way they move the ball around and it's not like complex, but it makes a difference. And obviously playing with like Gobert, who's what, uh, I mean, he's the, he was the, the best defenseman in the league, uh, at least voted. I mean, oh, Miles Turner disagrees. Shout out to him <laughs> for his two point game, like a fucking idiot. A nice Twitter thread today, moron. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can just see his value on a cohesive unit and what that means. And I hope that the Knicks don't just throw him away for like a late, a first, a second round or a early second round pick or something like that because, you know, I just, personally think the upside is still there he's still just 21 he just like you can see he's grown into his body now his handle is way better um not saying this i'm not going to say the sky is the limit but um yeah i mean i think very i think that that same ceiling is there um of like very much a two-way player who helps you win on both ends of the floor even if he's not killing it in the box score yeah, definitely. Simon, do you, uh, do you have any frank thoughts at all? It, not even just like his play on France, but just kind of in general, just your thoughts on what, what side of the, uh, the spectrum you are with Frank. I mean, I kind of went into, went into a daze the moment that Ashwin implied that Kemba Walker wasn't a top 78 NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, beyond that, like I, I genuinely agree. I agree with almost everything you, you, think about Frank. I haven't watched him as closely as you, obviously, but like my thing has always just been like if a guy, if a young player like is playing hard and playing defense and you want to build that kind of culture, I'm sure this is something you guys talked about on the show. Like why is this guy not getting minutes? That's frustrating for me. And like, I don't know what his upside is offensively. Like I hear people like you guys who, who believe, you know, he can, he has this ball handling upside that I just haven't seen because I haven't watched him as closely, but like I've seen the defense if only at summer league and yeah, in person a couple times, but like I've seen what kind of defensive upside he has and, and ability he has right now. And to me, like worst case scenario, worst case scenario, he's like a less detrimental Andre Robertson type player. So like to me, that's, that's a really nice young piece. Yeah. And just to be clear, like I actually, I've actually, I've gone from believing he can be a lead guard to more where I think he is. And I absolutely hate this comparison, but he's like very much a Marcus Smart type of guard where he's like, sure. he can run point a little bit. Um, but he's, he's a combo. Like he, he just can swing between both those guard spots. Um, so he's not a full time one, not really a full time two, but you can basically, you can really pair him with any type of guard and he's he can be able to have an impact and it's almost better for him playing next to high usage wings because he's still like the nominal point guard on the floor but some of the shot creation and just general facilitating responsibilities are alleviated from him and he has a chance to kind of come off of like secondary pick and roll actions dribble handoffs he has vision right like he has good vision it's just a matter of drawing the defense with like leveraging his scoring is where you get concerned. Uh so yeah or just like very ball handling. Wanting role, to score. Like, just yeah, wanting just, to just score. Just want yeah, wanting to take a layup or wanting to shoot the ball. <laughs> right. Um no, I mean I yeah, I agree with you. I think like yeah, I mean I, I don't really know what else to say about this game other than that. I think we're gonna go into a lot of FIBA stuff next week. 
much deeper, but um, I do want to say that watching – like I saw these corny-ass tweets – so many of them from, of course, Celtics beat writers talking about how they, we've never, I've never seen like oh, so many people be happy about Team USA losing. And it's like, well, you look, that's what happens when you got four Celtics in the team. Uh, that's your fucking problem. And that's your fault. Deal with the fact that four of your starters probably were on a team that got embarrassed in the quarterfinals and then lost today to Serbia. So, you know, just deal with that. I'm sorry it sucks. Um, sorry that Jason Tatum probably isn't going to be you know the next like you know he, he's lucky he'll be lucky if he's the next Carmelo Anthony but you know good luck with that I mean that's 12 time Tatum you're disrespecting right now <laughs> this is future MVP all NBA best wing in the league Jason Tatum you're 12 talking time. about 12 and times I should start call, I, I should actually I should be respecting him more and I only call him 12 time yeah only 12 time that's it that's what he's going to be 12-time All-Star. But, um, yeah, so we're, we'll dive a lot more into FIBA next week. But, um, let's, we're gonna move on because we want to get to the, um, the Pacific Division now, which is a pretty fun division. I actually have all the teams in front of me and I'm not gonna confuse, you know, the, um, the Washington Wizards for being in this division like I did last week. So we have, (laughs) we have the Warriors. We have the Clippers, the Lakers, the Kings, and the Suns. That's the order we're going to go in because we want to save the best team in this division for last, which is going to be the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't they, even know why they're even playing the games with those guys in the division. Yeah, I know. It's just like pack it all in. They're just, they're just loaded up with, uh, <laughs> with talent in Phoenix. <laughs> but, um, let's start off with the Warriors. So they lose Kevin Durant. To, uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. Clay is down with a ACL. I don't even know. Is he even coming back this year? Does he even plan to come back? He, so, he plans on it. Uh, so Clay's always been like a super quick healer. The shortest timetable you really see post surgery for these things is like five and a half, six months. He had okay. a surgery a bit later. Uh, like, is that, is that to actually get on the floor or is that just to like start doing full basketball activities? Full, full basketball activities. Okay. Okay. So we'll okay. see from there. Uh, I think he had the surgery, I want to say like late July. Um, I might have to check that, but that would put him on track to come back, you know, maybe after the all-star break is like when he would actually come back on the floor. Uh, I think it's certainly possible. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with kind of where the team is at. Uh, and, and, and we will, I'm sure we'll get into where we think they'll be at, but the downside is obviously the West is loaded and they're kind of on the outside looking into the playoffs. I think at that point you just give Clay the rest, maybe shut some other guys down. Yeah. So speaking of like, you know, cause the West is loaded, they more or less just have Curry and Green. I mean, they have Willie Colley Stein, who's probably going to be their starting center. Um, and they don't really have – okay, they added D'Angelo Russell, which I think we actually may disagree on the actual fit with him, but I don't think either of us believe he's going to be a full-time guy even on this year, right? He's more likely getting traded. Is that fair to say? The the issue is – I mean, we have to see what it looks like because I think that they did sign him with, like, probably priority number one. Yeah, this is a trade ship. We were going to lose this – this, you know, cap slot essentially. Right. It was cap space that you wouldn't have been. A, you wouldn't. You weren't going to get it back. 
So yeah. it's like get it, keep the salary and then see what you can do. And it's like you're moving into a stadium where you're going to be making, you know, fucking eight bajillion dollars a day. So and whatever, to put it and to, to kind of augment that, like it's not just it's not necessarily cap space you wouldn't get back because they had to move off of a lot of cap space to to bring him in and trading Iguodala, letting Sean Livingston go. But it's caps. It, you wouldn't be able to get a player of that caliber of that value on that contract. It'd yeah. be like you'd have to take on bad salary. So, I mean, that's just semantics. But the thing is, yeah, this was their last chance to kind of add a max or near max level player. Whether you think Russell's that or not, the market dictated he was. This is kind of their last chance to add that kind of player before Clay's extension, Draymond's extension kick in, and they're going to be capped out. And Bob Myers looked at this and was like, like, we're not winning like as much as Steph Clay and Draymond have been like a championship level core over the last half decade. We're not going to win titles with those guys going into their thirties with Andre Iguodala way over the hill or retired without any, you know, with no Andrew Bogut, Sean Livingston's corpse. Like even though they were a great team pre KD, they weren't that team anymore. So it's let's get a fourth <laughs> guy in here who, yeah. Maybe he works out, maybe he doesn't, maybe he comes into Steve Kerr's system and like blossoms as an off-ball shooter, secondary ball handler, maybe like the ability for Steph to play off-ball more than he has ever before really, like that, that, maybe that opens up a lot that we haven't seen before. Maybe he starts defending a little better. He has the frame to be a better defender than he is. So that's all possible, but I think the way Bob Myers looked at this is like worst case scenario, here's a guy that a lot of teams, namely Minnesota, is after and just weren't able to get it done due to cap constraints. So, like, having this asset controlled is is clearly, like, a long-term play. Yeah, Yeah. I... Do you you want to add something? Do you want me to go? No, go ahead, and I can chime in after. Yeah, so, I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that Russell is going to fit with this team. It's just more of, like, because Steph can play off the ball, and we've seen more and more with this, like, this league that, like, having multiple players that can handle the ball and attack and create offense for others is really, like, a recipe for success. And I think Russell and, and you know, and Curry could actually do that together. It's, it's going to be probably rough the first couple games, but I think it, it could actually work. And if any team where Russell has to be, like, you know, on his game and, like, not slacking off or anything like that. Like, Golden State would be one of those teams. And I just feel like this is almost, like, a best-case scenario for him. Like, the, any team, like, if he's going to Minnesota, he's just going to suck again, like he did for most of his career. So I, I, I feel like he kind of, like, learned a little bit with the Nets, like, okay, I can do some of these things, and now it's going to, like, he really needs to take everything seriously. Or it could just completely backfire, and it's like, oh, he doesn't take anything seriously. He's still going to sh- jack up mid-range shots and not pass the ball. I mean, so. I, th- I think that's really a testament. I mean, it's a testament to Russell because I think, you know, his, his playmaking really improved last year, his vision, that sort of thing. But it's a testament to Steph Curry more than anything, right? Like, like we're talking about a lead guard. Like, there's a few, there's few lead guards. There's really no, no one in the world is as good as Steph Curry as an offensive guard. But there's a few guys on his level. How many of those guys could play with another lead guard, ball-dominant type guy and just fit perfectly next to that guy? Now, defensively is another question, but on the offensive end, like, Steph Curry could play with any guard in the league you you put next to him. Yeah, I mean, the only other guy I can think of is maybe, like, Kyrie, just, like, super unselfish leader. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, 
look, I, I think it's gonna fucking suck. I'm gonna be, I think it's not gonna work. I don't think, like, here are the, here are the things that, when I think of the Warriors, like, during this period of success under Kerr, how do they play? They play fast, they push the tempo. That is not D'Angelo Russell, okay? Um, I know the Nets push the pace, but if you look at how Russell gets his, like, he's very much a half-court player. Um, sure, he can, like, push it a little bit, run a drag screen, take a pull-up, you know, but he's not, like, that's not his game. He's a half-court player. Um, he's terrible defensively, and I have seen very little signs of why I, sh- like, I can, I believe players can improve defensively. Generally speaking, I think if that doesn't happen, if you're not showing signs in your first few years in the league, it's probably not going to happen, uh, even as great as the Warriors culture is and all this shit. I just don't buy into that. Um, the other thing that the cops coming for you. Yeah. What's going um, on over there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the other thing too is so like, you know, you're already cutting into this identity they had as like, you know, I know they had a big drop off in the regular season last year, but you always knew when those guys like, you know, once they stopped fucking around, they always had that elite, elite defensive ability, that level that I don't know many teams could, I don't think any team really could get to that level when they lot, when Warriors locked in defensively. Um, and you know, historically, like, you know, very few teams could even if you expand that. So they, I don't, they don't have that. And that goes beyond Russell. That's just a roster thing without Clay losing KD and the players they brought in to replace these guys. And just looking across the roster, it's like, you know, where are your plus defenders? It's Draymond, obviously. Okay. Uh, by the way, Looney is going to start at center, not Carly Stein, but still, uh, <laughs> but like Looney, I guess Looney is a plus defender. Um, so that's like two. And then, you know, Steph's neutral, I'll say. Like, I think he's probably, I think he's underrated on defense. Sure, he can get picked on an ISO. Um, and when he was the fifth best defender in the t- on the lineup, that didn't matter as much as now when he's the third best defender in your lineup. It just opens up a lot more avenues to attack them and take advantage of. And then everywhere else in the roster, it's a question mark. Uh, I know they drafted Jordan Poole, a player I like a lot. He can really shoot it. Again, not a defensive player. Eric Pashal know nothing about this guy. Um, I guess he's a four. Can he defend? Young Draymond. Oh, young Draymond. Is he no, like I the thought, next? I thought Amari Spellman. Bell? I thought Amari Spellman was the next Draymond. <laughs> Jordan Bell was also the next Draymond. Yeah. So yeah, you just got. I mean, I guess D'Lo. He's he's the next Steph at one point too. <laughs> so you got all the next versions of these guys. But like on a serious note, then you have like Glenn Robinson. I, I like that they got younger. I think that was a good move because you could kind of tell like the regular season was wearing on them and it's boring and it's like you got these young guys are gonna be excited to play like we're warriors now, they get to play with Steph and Draymond. That's exciting, obviously. I like that idea. I just and I and they were limited. Don't like I'm not really trying to like knock Bob Myers for what he did. Um, but it's like, you know, when you're shopping around with veteran minimums, it, there's really not much you can do. Um, I, I, I think it's smart that he went young and took a bunch of flyers on some younger guys, but you know, uh, they're going to be banking a lot on Steph and Draymond to carry the load. And maybe D'Angelo is able to pump, like, I think, I, I think he's going to retain his value, even if he struggles a bit, because a lot of, 
uh, I think teams that like him will just chalk that down to situation. Um, and look, if they can, I think there is a trade to be made there with Minnesota. I think there's a trade to be made there with a few teams. Um, that could actually really help them. It's just a matter of like, when do you pull the trigger on such a deal? How long do you give D'Angelo Russell to kind of see if he can figure it out and fit in and, you know, just kind of like become a warrior rather than just hang out with the Warriors for a few months before he go, go somewhere else. Um, those, you know, that, that's the thing I wonder about. And it's like, if you leave that too late, because it is going to be a struggle for them this year, relatively speaking, anyway, there's, they should still be a good team. Um, but it, the West is a fucking bloodbath and, you know, like they, they can't afford to have those random nights off against like the Lakers where they're clearly hung over from the night before or something like that. Um, they can't afford to do stuff like that this year and they probably won't, but it's like they won't because they don't have any margin for error. And, you know, like, I, I don't know when I look, look at the West, I'm thinking maybe 47 wins is like the minimum I can see to getting into the playoffs. And yes, you got Steph who should probably, I mean, he'll probably put up crazy numbers this year. Uh, Draymond, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe him as putting up crazy numbers, but I'm assuming he'll, his assist rate will climb because it'll have to. He'll just have the ball more. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Probably it is a bad thing actually, but he, he can help lift them, but it's like, can those two do enough to offset the fact that your defense is going to be way worse? Your offense is going to be way worse. Like, is that good enough to win 47, 48 games or at least be in position when you make a move? To, to get there. I don't know. It's, it's very, I think they're, they're very close. They're on the edge of a playoff team. And I don't like, it's, it's mostly just because Clay is hurt. If Clay was hurt, then I'd be like, okay, they're going to win at least 55 games and probably like 60 and score 7,000 points a game. But they don't have Clay and that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And, and I mean, it really comes down to like the pre-trade deadline season, right? Because it's like, not only is Clay coming back maybe around that time, Best case scenario, but that's when you have to make a decision on Russell. I, I like the Russell move, like I said, and I still don't like the team this year. Like I, I, I took their under. I think that. What's their, what's their, what's their line? I think it's 49 and a half. Ooh. Um, I, I would stay away from that. Yeah. I mean, I like the under too, but I wouldn't bet on it. So I, I just think, like you said, the defense, it's really bad. Like it's, it's dramatically worse. I mean, they lost Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Andre Iguodala and replaced them with, like, more minutes for Alfonso McKinney, maybe Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson if they're healthy. So, I'm and, and, like, to your point about this isn't a criticism of Myers. Like, the Russell trade was a value move. Signing these guys like Collie Stein, Burks, and, and Robinson, those are upside plays. Like, they all are unlikely to work out, but the Warriors don't have the luxury anymore of like signing high ceiling, low, or, or sorry, high floor, low ceiling veterans, right? They're not going to win a title by signing like David West and Zaza Pachulia. They need to take flyers on young guys this year. And if it doesn't work out, it wasn't, they weren't going anywhere anyway. Like um, veteran minimums, it's not like it cost you anything. Right, right, exactly. So, so I like what Myers is doing, but as for this season, yeah, maybe, maybe you don't even make the Russell move this season because you you want to wait till the summer when the Andre Iguodala trade exception is usable uh, because they're they're hard cap so they can't use it this year 
Um, and they'll have this little window from July 1st to July 10th where the the trade exception is usable and still in effect. Maybe that's when you move Russell. Um, this season is is a huge mystery for the Warriors. Yeah, so let's um let's move on. Let's end on that. Wait, note. What's 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 our what's our win 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 prediction for them? Um, I don't know. For some reason, even though what you said about Russell is totally fair, more than likely like the truth in all this, I just have this weird feeling that it's going to work out with Russell. I don't know why. Like, I don't have any sort of like evidence to support it. I think they're going to win like fifty games. I'll go forty-eight. Uh, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna shoot my shot. Forty-five wins. Forty-five wins. That's probably out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think forty-seven would be out. Would you? You said forty-eight. Simon? Yeah. I mean, I I think forty-eight is tight, man. Like the West is. Who? What was the? It was forty-eight last year, right, for the eight seed. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like it, and I think the West is better now. It was it was 48 last year for the eight seed, but then the ninth seed was like 39 or, or 40 right. or something. And that was the Kings, who like yeah. they had a weird second half of the year where they had some roster flux. It was it was a strange second half for them, but like they're also young and coming up, and you're like okay. And I think the Pelicans are they're maybe not a playoff team, but they are gonna hang around for a while next year. They'll hang well, around. I think teams like that, like New Orleans, Dallas, uh, and and yeah, Sacramento, like. And and the Lakers too, right? The Lakers are yeah. coming up now too. Yeah. Those teams are gonna, I think, lower the threshold for the eighth seed just by distributing the wins more. Right. Um, they're so gonna be like, hanging around in the cut all year. Yeah. And, uh, it's gonna be, I, yeah, that that bottom of the West, it's gonna be. I mean, the only, honestly, the only team in the West you could not make a somewhat compelling playoff argument for is our favorite team, the Phoenix Suns. I think right, every yeah. other, like, yeah. like, I, I mean, Memphis? just looking at the West. Yeah, and Memphis. Okay, that's it. Yeah. But like, is there any other team? I can't no. think of one other team that you're like, it's absolutely just not. Yeah, no way. Yeah, exactly. Even OKC, OKC has a case. Like, yeah, they're they're actually like their roster isn't. They have talent, you know. Like they're not devoid of talent. <laughs> it's pretty wild. All right, yeah. guys, let's let's get let's get back on target. We're gonna hit on all these teams <laughs> in a moment. Don't worry, we're gonna talk about the Lakers and the Suns and all that. So our next team is gonna be the Clippers and. I think it's safe to say at least they won the offseason for the most part. Um, they got Kawhi Leonard. They got Paul George. And they kept primarily, like, their core guys. They kept Lou Williams. They kept uh, Landry Shamit. They kept uh, Harrell um, and uh, Patrick Beverly. You know, they added guys like Rodney Magruder. Um, oh, and, they got Magruder? That's actually a decent pickup. Yeah, so they got Magruder. Yeah. They have... Um, the corpse of Patrick Patterson. Uh, so, like, and they have Jermichael Green. Like, they have some guys. And uh, and Mo Harkless. So, um, I think right now, most of the time, they're the um, the, the favorite to win the title. I think that's what uh, Vegas has. I'm not entirely sure. I don't really look at the yeah, odds they, too much. They, they, are the, they are the favorite. And they, they look like they're a team that's going to be, like, well-balanced and really hard to beat. Like nitpicking their roster, they could probably use a more flexible like four or five guy instead of a Zubac. But well, that's what Harold's there for, right? Because he can be that like small ball five type of dude. Yeah, that's true. And then he can just go, you know, can... semi big with semi big small with like George and Kawhi, and then like Williams and Shammer or something like that. But and you can even just play Jamichael at the four. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, they just didn't. I just feel like they could. They need like another move to make to kind of like deepen their bench sometime during the season, like maybe like a buyout person. But I, I think this team is just completely well balanced, and they really have a legitimate shot to win the title this year. I, I think that center position is going to be a sneaky problem come playoff time if they don't upgrade it. Like, yeah, like we talked about this before, Schwinn. Like, I. And we'll get into this when we talk about the Lakers, too. I think right now I would take the Lakers to beat this team in a playoff series just because I have no fucking idea who guards Anthony Davis. Uh, like, obviously, Terrence Mann would defend <laughs> Anthony Davis. Like, uh, yeah, I don't like know. You, like, Harold, the, Lakers, I guess? the Lakers put LeBron and Danny Green or Contavious Caldwell-Pope or whoever on Kawhi and Paul George, and, like, that's not great, but you survived that. Like, I don't know who guards Anthony Davis on this team. I think that the Clippers probably know that, and, and they have all these kind of extraneous pieces. They probably do make that move, but until they make it, I I don't see this team as a title favorite. Yeah. So the thing with them is, like, they have these kind of salaries that you can move. So I think Harkless is making something like $9 million or maybe $10 million, maybe more. I think it might be even 11 And then Jamichael is making 5 or 6 like that, that's Williams so like, at eight is like huge yeah. value. Yeah, but I, I think Lou is somebody they'd be like, no, no, we're like he's yeah. almost untouchable for us. Um, but like those two guys, I mean, sixteen million, like you could probably get in the ballpark for a legitimate center. Uh, now, what is that enticing enough for another team to pull the trigger? Like, do they really love Jamichael Green and Maurice Harkless that much? Maybe not, but maybe they're overpaying a guy and they want to just get off the salary and take the expiring contracts. Um, that's kind of the sacrifice they have, you know, that's the, that's the kind of, they, they have to find that deal out there. But I do think that there probably is a deal out there that I just can't think of off the top of my head, um, to be made for an overpaid guy that is still decent. Um, and the center market always, it, the trade market always sucks for centers, right? So what ends up happening is, like we saw this with, you know, starting center, uh, on a conference finals team, Ennis Cantor last year, like nobody wants to trade for the salary. So eventually you just buy him out and then, you know, another team swoops in, picks him up for the minimum. And this happens every year with centers. I think it probably would have happened with the soul last year if, you know, he didn't get traded maybe, but, um, and it might even happen with Gasol again this year because he's not expiring and it's like Toronto, if they can't find a deal for him, what's the point of even having him there at the end of the year if they don't think they're going to do anything? Um, you never know. You just never know who can come free. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that there's probably a deal to made, made out there for them to just find a competent center that can, buy them some minutes um and then you know like yeah harold can't guard ad but i think you would live if that's the one obvious glaring mismatch you're giving up to the lakers right like if you're like okay ad is gonna kill us but paul george is a plus Kawhi can play lebron relatively neutral lou williams is gonna smoke whoever we put on him bev can probably play somebody neutral like they have enough other guys you're like okay you know you can live with that so I'm a little worried about that spot. Uh, I I don't know, but I would say their biggest concern is just health because Kawhi and Paul George, neither of these guys is like, you know, they're not fucking prime Michael Jordan just running through 82 games a year like a psycho. You know, like they're Kawhi obviously made the term load management uh, common parlance. Paul George is 
just a fucking bitch and got <laughs> surgery. Got surgery. He got he got surgery on both his shoulders this summer. I want to think something like that. Yeah, and so like he, I don't think he's gonna be fully ready. And back, he got rotator cuff surgery, which is like, I mean, I know back in the day, just watching football, that was always like a big thing for quarterbacks because obviously it's your shoulder, right? Um, so, you know, for basketball, I've heard you use your shoulder when you shoot. Um, and that's problematic. I know it gave him an issue towards the end of last season also when he just fell off the face of the earth in terms of efficiency. But, you know, I just think there's a lot of health risk on this team that, isn't getting talked about like not forgetting those two guys even beverly's like yeah he was healthy last year but look at his career he's been a fucking mess um and then it's like okay if you lose those guys this is obviously the price you pay to make the put like the all-in pushes they don't have the depth they had last year where it was like they could lose five guys and they would just run five off their bench and they were good to go um so like up their ceiling kind of like increase their risk totally worth it in my opinion but um, yeah, there's definite risk here, and I don't think it's getting talked about enough. I mean, that's that's all fair. I'm just kind of looking at it as I'm kind of looking at it as if they're going to be healthy. I know that the Simon mentioned like who's going to guard AD, but I mean, if you look at the Lakers, too, like who's going to guard both Kawhi and Paul well, George? And then who, you, who in the Lakers is going to guard anybody? Well, that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of right. That's kind of the thing too. We'll get to the Lakers in a moment, but like that's kind of the counter with that is it's just like all right, who's guarding Lou Williams, sham it off screens, and both Kawhi and Paul George? Like, yeah, sure, Anthony Davis is uh more or less unguardable, but you know, what if he quits on his team again because he doesn't like you know the Lakers atmosphere? So Something I guess like I mean, should we should we transition to the Lakers because like I. Yeah, I think we, let's just go. Let's just. I mean, I, I think you just have to talk about both those teams together. It's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Let's, just, yeah let's just get <laughs> let's get into the like the uh the Lakers. Well, because uh, like you're you're talking about who's gonna guard these guys. Like, I don't know what I'm missing here. Like, Danny Green, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Avery Bradley. Like, do you remember Danny Green in the finals last year? Wait, are I you remember, actually, are you trying to say that Contavious Caldwell Pope and Avery Bradley can guard people? Can play defense? Yeah, I'm not trying. Like, look, I I know that these guys are are like maligned and like once were considered all NBA level defenders, and they're clearly not that. So like, I think we swing too far the other way, where it's like Avery Bradley can chase guys off screens. Contavious Caldwell Pope can guard, you know, both backcourt positions. Maybe guard some threes. He's not now. He's not guarding Kawhi Leonard, but like. The, those are both solid defenders. And Danny Green, yeah, he doesn't have the the mobility he used to, but I think he's he's kind of scaled up in position where if you need someone to like put on Kawhi for like half of a quarter, like I'm not saying no one can guard Kawhi in the league, but those three guys as kind of your complementary pieces around Anthony Davis, who's a fucking beast, and LeBron, who I still think can be a beast on defense in the playoffs, uh, like I just think you think he's gonna to- just. He's gonna dial back the clock after yeah. three years of not trying on defense entirely, even in the playoffs. That's like honestly, that's a genuine question because I I think after that that game seven against the Warriors, uh, like I'm not even joking when I say that was the last time I genuinely saw him play like like try on defense. And I know people have this thing where it's like, well, he carried the team to the finals. Like, yeah, he did. I'm not denying that he did that twice after that, but like. It wasn't because his defense was sick, you know? It was because his offense Look, was just I, that I, dynamic. 
I don't want to be in this position where I'm defending LeBron on defense because, like, I've been as critical of his defense as literally anyone. Um, I just think that a lot of it is an effort thing, and I think everything you're talking about is an effort thing, even the stuff in the finals. Uh, I think once KD came to the Warriors, he kind of had this mentality, like, if I go up and put up 35-point triple doubles and lose, get swept or lose in five games or whatever, like, I'm going to look like the the martyr or whatever. You know, like, I, I don't think he ever entered those series, like, we can fucking win this thing. Um, I could be wrong about that. I, I just, I still think he has another gear that we haven't seen defensively. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe Jared Dudley can bring some of that Nets culture over to the Lakers, and he can choke out Kawhi Leonard on yeah, the uh, I mean, on the court. Maybe th- maybe that can uh that could happen. Yeah. That could slow down the Clippers. Look, the, the other thing about this fucking Lakers roster is like, who the fuck is running? Like, other than LeBron, who is facilitating on this team? Like, wait, Rondo? Yeah, Rondo. I mean, like, I mean, okay, fine. I, Simon, does <laughs> can Rondo still play the points? Dave Bradley and Pope can still play defense. <laughs> In the playoffs, he might. In the play- playoff Rondo, I, I, that is not, true. I, we don't know. I, what... believe, I believe in playoff Rondo, but like even then, I don't think you don't as you don't want playoff Rondo closing with LeBron. And it's like you know what I mean. Like you're not going to play the play him in a closing lineup. Maybe Alex Caruso can uh, run the offense. Right. It's like that's these are the guys you're talking about here. Fucking Danny Green can't dribble. You know. Uh, <laughs> no, we can't. Yeah. KCP can't dribble. Uh, like these are the guys that were. I just I Avery Bradley can't he can't move and he can't stay healthy anymore. Uh, I I don't know I just I can see them winning a championship. I'm not trying to like dismiss that possibility because yes, if you have LeBron and you have AD, even though I'm firmly of the belief that like LeBron is, I don't believe in this gear that is hidden that he's been sitting on for three years just activating uh, again. But like I. Yeah, sure. There's obviously a world where they can win a championship. Those two guys are definitely good enough that you can pull that off. Um, it's just, I, I just have so many question marks with this team where it's like, I, I don't know, man. I, it's such a bizarre team. And then again with them, it's like the injury risk is real. Like if AD, if either AD or LeBron misses even 20 games, like they, they might be done. They might just be done in the, in the West because like, you know, they don't have replacements for those guys. JaVale McGee is not, Shit! If LeBron goes down, then re- then you're legitimately talking about Rondo being the only capable ball handler on the team, and that is not no. Like we're not doing this in, in the year of our Lord 2019. Not doing this, talking ourselves into this. Uh, and the thing is, like, yeah, LeBron's been superhuman, but he also missed what, like, 20, 25 games last year? Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, he missed a good chunk of the uh, the season. It pretty much tanked their entire season last year. He was gone for most of the middle of the season. Yeah. So, like, you know, there is – now we're at a point where we've seen LeBron get injured and miss games. And I don't know. It, they're a very weird team. I, I think I need to see them before I really lock in. I think their over-under is what, 50? It was 50, 50 and a half, I think. Yeah, it's like it, I would probably I, bet the over, but – I wouldn't feel great about it. I don't think I would bet the over. I, I'm going with the under. I, I think someone's going to get injured. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's going to tank everything. Even if LeBron doesn't get injured, like Davis still has like those nagging injury issues, and like, and that could happen. Then what are you going to replace it with? Costas to Antetokounmpo on a two-way deal? Like I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't see it with this. Uh, no, Dwight Howard with this team. Oh, Dwight. Oh, Dwight Howard's on the. Uh, the 
I completely forgot about Dwight Howard. Okay, yeah. So, I changed so, my mind. This is the 61 team. I don't know. I, I think that as we go through this roster, like, I stand by what I said before about, like, there's so many guys on this team that are overrated by a certain, like, crowd. People who either... Yeah, like, <laughs> or people, people who, you know, don't realize that, like, time passes and, like, Avery Bradley's not what he used to be. Danny Green's not what he used to be. Rondo isn't. Dwight Howard isn't. All, you know, Kyle Kuzma obviously is highly overrated by a lot of people. Jared Dudley's overrated by a lot. That's kind of a different crowd that overrates Dudley. But, like, <laughs> all of these guys are still capable. Like, if you play... They can eat minutes. If you play, like, LeBron, if you have, like, an, a LeBron AD pick and roll, that's just fucking terrifying. We've never seen LeBron play with a guy like AD in his whole career. And then you space that out with, like, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, and, like, KCP. Or you put Alex Caruso out there. That, that's a fucking devastating lineup. Okay, yeah, right, but, hold on, hold on. I just want to say this. I want to okay. make this point. Like, okay, I'm not saying he is AD or he's as good as AD, but, like, Chris Bosh was damn good. Like, he was really, really good. And we saw him play with LeBron, and it was not this, like, yes, they went to four, it was, they bludgeoned their way to four finals, but, like, I don't know. I never personally watched that team and was like, wow, like, this is so beautiful and, like, devastating. And it was like, it was just like an overwhelming amount of talent in a league that was not as deep as it is now in terms of top-end talent. And, like, we saw what that did. It, it, made LeBron amazing. It elevated LeBron to a level that we hadn't seen yet. But Bosch sacrificed. What, what did he average in Miami? Like 17 and 8? Yeah, he and barely, he, yeah, he barely averaged 20 yeah, points. And, and, he was and, like, he was, and he was a legit stretch. He was a better shooter than AD. He, um, and he's not and the he vertical, was, like, he's not the vertical threat. Like, we've seen LeBron kill it with guys like Birdman. Like, we, we know he can take advantage of these, these lob threats, right? Like, to me, AD is almost more that, that five with Kuzma in the, like, pick-and-pop role at the four. Yeah, but we're assuming that Anthony Davis is playing all his minutes at the five, and we he keeps saying time and time again he doesn't well, want to play. He's going to close. It doesn't matter what the fuck he wants. He's I know. Fair, the games at the five. No, I know he's going to close games at the five, but, you know, it's still a 48-minute game. But if you're still going to, like, have Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee play with Anthony Davis <laughs> for any level of minutes, it's going to be a detriment to the Lakers. Uh, like, I mean, my, my, my other thing too is like, I agree with you. Yeah, obviously AD is a very different level of lob threat, but I wanted to drive home that point with Bosch because I think at the end of games, that lob shit goes away, man. Like teams take that shit away in a second. Like you're not getting that. He never got that with Birdman. He never got that with any of these amazing, like these lob guys he's played with at end of games. Right. And then it, what does it turn into? It turns into the LeBron show where everybody has to get the fuck out of the paint and then he like, bulldozers away into the lane and like you know like yeah of course he can still do that but then sometimes he does that and gets stuff by mario hazonia nowadays like you know that's actually i'm, I'm not I, I mean it's funny but it's also a sign that there was a time where it that that was fine it was like okay that's fine because for the next for the last six minutes we will take the bet that lebron can just keep bludgeoning his way to the rim it doesn't matter who switches on to him uh or what you run like he can do that Okay, and I don't think that he can do that to that level anymore. I don't. I I I saw it last. I've been saying it for a few years now that he's in decline, and that you can throw all his numbers at me all you want. Like, what? Look at your like. This, what was it two years ago? The year that last year was in Cleveland. People were trying to argue that he was like 
oh, this is the best version of LeBron we've ever seen offensively. And it's like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Do you guys, did you, did you do the men in black thing with the, you know, where you just erase your memory? Completely like, forget about his heat years where he was like the most dominant offensive player in quite some time. Yeah, like I, I just, it's, a, I mean, I don't want to get into a debate about the value of stats, but it's like, you know, I, I just don't think he is that all dominant force anymore. Uh, or not, again, it's, it's like you're parsing so many things. He's more of like, yes, he's definitely a top five player now, top three player, even us. Let's give him the benefit on, say top three. Whereas there was a, basically a decade where he was like, he was the number one player in the NBA and there was no, there wasn't a debate to be had. There wasn't a conversation to be had. Like it was LeBron and then you just moved on to the rest of the list. And now you have to sit there and actually think about like, all right, is he really the best player in the league anymore? I personally don't think he is anymore. Uh, maybe he reclaims it this year, has one like, you know, last hurrah on him. But yeah, I, I don't personally see it. This is also the same age. This was Michael's last year, same age as Michael's last year. In Chicago, um, and you know, like we saw the decline in his numbers last year, LeBron, in terms of efficiency, and I think also just like, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the twenty-eight seven and seven or whatever he put up in Cleveland when he was twenty-three or twenty-four. It wasn't that. Uh, it was, you know, like there was a there was a time where if LeBron was twenty-seven seven and seven. That's an automatic playoff bid in any conference ever in the history of the NBA. It didn't matter what, where you put him. And, you know, he wasn't that last year. And it's, I don't know. I, I just wonder, I do think having AD is obviously going to amplify so much of his game. Um, but yeah, I, I do worry about them in end game situations because even in Cleveland, when he had Kyrie, like he had Kyrie. Now, you know, we can make fun of Kyrie all we want, but like obviously he's a guy that can handle the ball and facilitate and score and create and, you know, it's literally just going to be LeBron and AD at the end of these games when it comes to like high, you know, high leverage playoff situations. And I, I worry about that a lot. Simon, last word before we move on to the Kings. I can't believe I spent so much time defending LeBron in a roster full of guys. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to be on that side of history now for uh, the rest of time. All right. Let's do let's do win predictions for Clippers Lakers Simon. Uh, I have the Clippers at fifty seven wins. I know the health concerns, but I just think having one of PG or Kawhi on the court is going to make them like a fifty five win team. And then when both of those guys are out there, they're going to be like at a sixty five win pace. So I have fifty seven for them, and I have the Lakers at fifty two, just because I think that even with a decline, LeBron like this is still probably LeBron plus his best teammate, this might be the best in the aggregate of that you've ever had, besides maybe that first year with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I, I think someone's getting injured. Um, I have them missing the playoffs. I, I think... Do the Lakers missing the playoffs? Yeah, someone's getting injured, and their team sucks. Like, it's just LeBron and Anthony Davis and a bunch of scrubs. Unless you think Dwight Howard's gonna, you know, carry them like he did the the Magic. I, yeah, I think so. Which is a double-double. Yeah. Oh, that is true. Um, no, I think they're missing the playoffs. I think some, one of, either LeBron or Davis is getting injured this year, and they're going to miss the playoffs. And the Clippers are, I don't know, I really like them. Probably 59, 60 wins. Ooh, all right. Uh, I I just think the West is going to be way tighter than people think. I don't, I wouldn't be, I, the gap between one and eight, in terms, just in terms of wins, not in terms of like, you know, actual roster quality of who can win a championship. 
I think it'll be a lot t- tighter than people think. So the Clippers, I'm just going to say, I think 55. Um, I, that might, I, that might win the West this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I expect Kawhi is probably not going to play more than 55 games this year. Uh, we saw the blueprint with Toronto. That's how you do it. Uh, oh, the other thing too is like fucking Doc Rivers versus Frank Vogel. Give me a break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, or or that. Okay, that. I mean it's not. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll say fifty-five for the Clippers. I will say Lakers. I'm gonna say fifty-one. Uh, I just think that in the regular season, even if I just feel like I feel like he's gonna gut out seventy-five games. Even if he's hurt, he's gonna gut out seventy-five games, and he'll be. And even if he, if he gets sixty games to AD, I think that'll be enough to pop over 50 wins uh just because i expect him to be very very motivated this year um and focused and actually giving a fuck and not doing stupid shit like leaving wide open three-point shooters and shrugging his shoulders against games against the grizzlies um yeah i'm gonna say 51 wins and because they have rondo uh and yeah i that that's where i'm at with those two teams I, I I I can't see the Lakers missing the playoffs again. I think the NBA would like. There's they're gonna make sure the Lakers don't miss the playoffs again. Oh, that's that's an interesting uh, conspiracy. I like that. But let's move on to the Kings. They didn't really add anyone. Speaking like, of Lakers conspiracies. Oh, okay. You have one for us. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Let's move on to the Kings. Oh, okay. Let's move on to uh to them. They didn't really add anyone like notable. Like they added Rashad Holmes, uh, Dwayne Dedman, and. Trevor Ariza was that was Corey Joseph with them yes. last year? No, they had no. him. Okay, and they had Corey Joseph, like a bunch of like solid role players, and I think they're just pretty much banking on uh, Fox and Bagley pretty much improving, and I would say Heald kind of staying, like Heald and Bogdanovich staying the way they were last year. Oh, yeah. they also have Harrison Barnes, who um, isn't good and really overpaid, but he's he's a body, I guess. Um, so yeah, I I think they actually may sneak into the playoffs. That, that's going to be my pick. I I think they're uh they're like one of like the seven you know the six to eight te- uh, seed in the uh the West. I'm a big believer in De'Aaron Fox. I need to talk about my Kings, my Kings, who I've been standing for for like two or three years. <laughs> uh, I like their team, but I actually don't see them making the playoffs. I I was really really disappointed in their offseason because they had. A fuck ton of like when once Barnes opted out, and I'm I guess he probably opted out because they had a hush hush wink wink like agreement that they're gonna resign or whatever. Yeah, 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 we're gonna give you this contract. What did he get? Four? I think he got like the same deal he signed four for ninety four for eighty eight. So basically the same deal he initially signed in Dallas. Uh, that was like basically the same deal. So yeah, I, I hated that contract, but not because I disagree with you that Barnes is a bad player. I think he's an overpaid player, but he would be very useful for them if he played the four, but he's not going to play the four because they have a bunch of fours, namely Marvin Bagley and also Harry Giles, who looked pretty good last year um, in kind of his first – It was basically that's his like first action in two years. Yeah, pretty uh, much. He's just been injured for like his yeah. entire – like literally from like high school to college to now. He's just been yeah. injured even though he's like super talented. Right, and like he looked pretty good. So if their manager – if his – health holds up like that's a very interesting piece but again like 
it just means that you're playing Barnes at the three, which I hate. Um, it just limits his the advantages he can give you on a team scale. Uh, I I didn't mind. I didn't get. I didn't understand people getting so upset about the Deadman and the Deadman contract because it's like, yeah, it's Sacramento. You got to overpay to get guys. Um, I just think they should have aimed higher and consolidate instead of getting a few small pieces. I thought they should have gone after Vucevic hard. I thought they should have gone after Horford hard. Um, they should have like they needed to get one of those. Yeah, like just max one of those guys. Yeah, just, yeah. I, I know it's an overpay, but just fucking max one of those guys and go for it because like you actually have you're never gonna get a chance again, right? Because now they're capped out basically more or less. Uh, they got to pay Healed this either this summer or next summer. Like they either extend him now or pay him next summer. Bogdanovich is a free agent next summer. May not be able to keep him. Um, if Fox keeps playing well, he's going to get a match. Yeah, if if Fox if Fox has another year, like forget even progression. If he just has another year like he did last year, he's going to get a max extension next summer. No, they're not even going to fuck around with like, you know, oh let's keep your small cap hold. They're yeah, not, no, they're they're max. They're just going to give him the max extension. Giles is up for an extension after this year. That's another guy. Uh, like, I don't, they probably won't extend him, but you get my point. It's like, the bill is coming due on all these young guys that have been cheap, and it's, it's like, this was their shot to just go, just go overpay for somebody who can actually, like, he, he takes you, he gives you a higher ceiling. And I like Deadman as, a, I think he's a solid player. I like Rishon, I think Rishon Holmes, that contract was awesome. Two years, 10 million for him was a great contract. Um, Corey Joseph does nothing for me. Okay, great. Uh, maybe four years ago. And Trevor Ariza, like, same deal, maybe three years ago. Like, I, I just don't know what these guys really do for you. I get, like, the theory of signing them, but they're not who Vlade thinks they are now. And, yeah, I was just super disappointed because, to me, the play was, like, I think they had, they ended up having 60 million in space. So even after the Barnes contract, you had, like, 38 million in space. They maybe still 40. had max room. Yeah, they still had max room. Just go fucking max one of these guys, and then you still probably have like seven or eight million to play with, you know. And yes, I know that you're not the most attractive team, but especially Vucevic. Like you're trying to tell me that you can't convince Vucevic on a to leave because Vucevic didn't even sign close to a max actually, which I was surprised by because I thought Orlando would have to really pay to keep him up, keep him there. He didn't even get close to a max. It's like you're trying to tell me you can't convince Vucevic to come there on a max. I don't buy that for a second, especially because Eastern Europeans like. You know, the guys that have moved, the, the, especially the European guys that have lived in Sacramento love it. Um, and a lot of them actually have ended up staying there after retirement. I know Vlada, even before he got hired, had a house there. Stojakovic lives there. Um, you know, like a lot of these guys do. So I was just really disappointed. And I, I thought they like, they, they played it safe and tried to address all their needs instead of just going big and like trying to get addressing one or two needs. And that's what I would have done if I were them. So, Drew, you called Harrison Barnes a body. I think he's like, he's the NBA's number one body. He really <laughs> is. Like, he is. He's just like, he's there. He's a body. He just, exactly it. Like, he just exists. Like, he's, he doesn't really do anything that well, but. He doesn't do anything has, bad either. Like, he's just there. Yeah, he has forward size. He has forward strength. He can hit a jump shot. Like, Versatile defensively. There just aren't that many guys in the league that can do that. That's why I really like DeAndre Hunter, too. Like, 
DeAndre Hunter's the next Harrison Barnes, and maybe you don't take that guy at number five or number four. Or, or trade Luca to get that rights to uh, sure. Harrison Barnes. <laughs> sure, but but still, like that's that. I mean, that's a tangent. But like, so Bar- Barnes is useful to so many teams. So I understand why his market is what it was. I actually don't see it as an overpay because like so many teams need that kind of body. But to your point, like Sacramento. <laughs> might need him less than almost any team in the league, especially if you're going to get Ariza, who's probably right. more four at this stage anyway. is uh, still on the roster, right? Yeah, yeah, my my guy, my guy, Nemanja Bielitsa. Shout like, out. Yeah, they are so overloaded at at the four five. Um, their best lineup probably would feature Bogdanovich at the three and Barnes at the four. So then it's like, what are you doing with Deadman? Giles, Bagley, Holmes, Ariza, Bielitsa. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous roster construction. I still think they could be a playoff team regardless of any of that because they're deep and De'Aaron Fox could make another leap and Buddy oh. Heald is awesome. Uh, they're just going to run teams off the floor too. They're so, they're, like you said, they're so deep yeah. and they're so young. They're so athletic. Yeah. And this is a team that won 39 games last year. And it's kind of like outside of the West just being better. It's like, tell me how they're not. This team isn't better than the 39-win team they were last year. Um, so they're, I think they're going to go over 500. I have them missing the playoffs because I think that New Orleans is actually my team that I see getting up there from last year. Ooh. Uh, that's a separate conversation, I guess. But, like, I could easily <laughs> see it being Sacramento. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say about them is they have a lot of pieces that can make trades. You know, like yeah. Bogdanovich is definitely a piece that I think teams would be interested in his salary isn't big but like you know you throw in Rishon Holmes maybe you can get a three make maybe you can because they don't have a legit three which is that's the craziest that's like Barnes is not a legit three he's just not yeah. in the NBA anymore he's like he can play the three but you really wanted to play the four right it's like Tobias Harris yeah he can play the three but you really wanted to play the four Gallinari was the same way for multiple years um it's LeBron now is basically like that. We are like, yeah, sure, you can play the three, but like, please, dude, can you play the four? Can you please play the four? Um, yeah, I don't know who they would target. Uh, I'm the other move they didn't make last year, which fucking pissed me off so much when they traded for Harrison Barnes was like, go get Otto Porter. Like he, yeah, is, he's he's the better version of what you think Harrison Barnes is. It's not even forget. Even if you don't think he's better, he actually is a three. He is actually a three. Barnes is not actually a three. You need a three. You don't need a, a four or like a two or a five or a one. You need a fucking three. So go get a three. And they didn't do any of that. And it's like they just – they were so close. And like you can ask Simon because I've talked about – I think I talk about the Kings more than anybody that's not a Kings fan. And <laughs> like I was sitting there for like months last year being like go – Get Otto Porter. I'm pretty sure I had a Twitter thread about this. It's like, go get Otto Porter, please. Like, just do it. It makes so much sense. And then the fucking Bulls got him, which, like, I hate the Bulls so much, so fuck you, Chicago, again. Um, and it's, like, it was just so infuriating to watch this team over the last, because, like, I was up until, like, through last year, up till the deadline, I was like, yo, they, this Kings, you know, Vlade Loki has done a really good job the last couple years. And then it's, like, the moment the two, points where they really could have made moves to genuinely like i think if you get Otto and then you max somebody this summer like avusevic or just a quality center i think that you're a playoff team now right and it's like and then 
then you just have to hope because you're Sacramento. Then you just have to hope that like your your guys can take a leap, like Fox, Bagley, Giles. Bagley is way better than I anticipated coming to the NBA. So um, yeah, I mean that just whatever. I thought I should mention that, but like you know, then you're betting on your guys to make a leap, and like if you're a market like Sacramento, that's just what you have to do. So I don't have a problem with that, and that's why I didn't care if they had to overpay for more of like a borderline all-star there than a genuine all-star. But yeah, I just, man, I, I just can't have hated a team's last six months more than Sacramento, even though I don't necessarily hate all these pieces they brought in. It's just like, all right, man, whatever. What am I, I don't know what I'm doing with this shit. Yeah. Well, I have faith in De'Aaron Fox and and Fox. Like, like I have, I have faith in, I have faith in some of these guys. Before we wrap up Kings, here's okay. So, what are you offering Heald before the season? So, like, you want to just take him off the market. What's your max offer for him? Simon, you can go ahead first because I need to think this over. I'm thinking about it. I mean, but in the context of Sacramento, we talked about how they're capped out, right? Well, they're not capped out yet, like. If they let him and Bogdanovich walk, they'd have space. But it's like, okay, but, but, you also but, let him and Bogdanovich walk. You're so. not going to let that happen. I mean, right. <laughs> whatever it takes, I think, right? Like, I'm trying to think of his market. Like, he seems like a guy who could get four for 90. I think yeah, he's, but like, I think he's, he's a also, guy. He's also older, though. Like, but, he's going to be 27 um, entering this thing. He shot 40... Basically 43% last year on eight attempts. Like, so I think he's, he's really the, I think he's the yeah. third best shooter in the league behind Curry and Thompson. You think he's better? I don't think he's not better than Redick. I don't know. That's, that's tight. That's close. It's but like, close. he's in that caliber. He's that caliber yeah. of shooter. He's in that tier. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, he's in that tier below Curry and Clay and maybe KD. Okay. Um, that's he a pretty probably, good tier. To he could probably get 20 million a year. Oh, and Joe Harris is obviously above him too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe Harris, you know. <laughs> Ultra setter at the Nets too, just like Jared Dudley. Um, yeah, like I, the thing is, I think, yes, I, he, I know he's older, but shooters age, that, that's the best. If that's your skill, you age so much better than, you know. No, I was just saying like his age may affect his contract. That's all I was just saying. Like, see, I, what I'm saying is I don't think it will because I think teams just put so much of a premium on shooting now and like what JJ got. Well, where did he get that one year? I know it was a one year balloon pay, but it was like one year 25 or something, right? From Philly. Yeah, I think yeah. it was like 20. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I, I think we should set the over under at like 20 million per year for us. I, I think he's going to get over easily. I think right? over too. I mean, Gary Harris got four for like 75, 76. Oh yeah, I forgot about Gary Harris. A couple like, years ago. And like, <laughs> and, and the, the cap's gone up since and like healed is a, just a healthier, better player, I think, than Harris. So like, and Sacramento has to always overpay. So I could, I, th- I think it's getting up to 90. I'd set the over under at 85. For, I for think some, I think somebody's gonna, I think they're gonna have to go for 100. I think somebody will come in for 100 mil for him. I yeah, guess. that's not There's crazy. so, there's so many, look at the, look at the market next summer. There, there's nothing there. Okay. Like maybe 80 hits the market, you know, cause he's, yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'll, <laughs> I'll believe that when I see it, Rich Paul. Like he's gonna fake hit the market, right? Okay, um, and then what? Like Draymond's off the market, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So then, like, who? I don't even. I honestly don't know. Then it, I think it's the best players after that are these like rookie extension guys. Um, and there's just so many teams with cap space still. Yeah, like the Knicks have like I, I mean, 
I don't want to list all the teams, but it's like seven, eight teams that have cap max space. And a lot of them are bad teams. So it's like they're the type of teams that they might gamble on some of these guys. And I, I just I can see some team being like, look, we need a shooter. This guy can shoot. We think he can definitely shoot it just like this for the next four years. There's no reason for me. I mean, personally, I think he will, too. Like, I, There's nothing to suggest he wouldn't. Um, and he, and he also like a, he's on a total zero with the ball in his hands. I think he averaged like three assists a game last year. It's not bad. Um, you know, I, 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 I some team is going to give him a hundred million. I think. If he has a great year, I can see it. But if we're saying like, what does he, what does Sacramento have to offer him to avoid that? I'm, I'm going 90. I mean, Brogdon just got like four for 84. That's a solid comp, like a bit of an older guy on that rookie extension. True. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's healthier than Brogdon, so he might get a little more. It just depends on, I guess, probably how much what he thinks he's worth. Because, like, I mean, I, they're not comparable players at all. Um, but, like, Jamal Murray got a five-year, $170 million extension, which I don't even want to get into that as somebody who likes Jamal Murray. Like, I don't understand that at all. But um, I don't know, man. I, if I'm him, I'm like, I, I would be asking for 400 that would be like my starting point. I'd be like, just give me four hundred, and we'll call it a day. And anything below four ninety, I probably am not even touching. Okay, that's uh, let's end it on that with the Kings, and let's say if we're say we say it the best for last. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns, who they did so much crazy shit. I don't even remember because you look at the roster, like they somehow got Dario Saric. Okay, and I have, Frank- I have. You have, have all their transactions? Yes, I have their transaction page. Okay, please okay. read it off because it's fucking bananas. Okay, so... <laughs> all right, so, I mean, basically their entire team from last year is gone. Um, they... <laughs> okay, they did a trade where they traded uh, a conditional first to the Celtics uh, that was from the Bledsoe trade, and they acquired Aaron Baines and the right draft rights to Ty Jerome. I think that's a pretty decent deal. <laughs> then they drafted Culver at, I think it was six. Six. Yeah. 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 They drafted Culver at six, and then they traded him to Minnesota. That's how they got Sarge there. For Sarge and the draft, and then they took Cameron Johnson at 11th with Minnesota's pick. Cameron Johnson is older than Devin Booker. I want to mention that. He's currently this is the Devin Booker argument. <laughs> this so he's older than Devin Booker. Then they did other shit like oh then then this was the this was it. They agreed a three year fifty one million dollar deal for uh Ricky Rubio, but after all their other bullshit, they actually didn't have the space to give him that, so they had to clear space. So then they traded Josh Jackson, former fourth overall pick D'Anthony, D'Anthony Melton, who was a second round pick last year. Who's actually pretty good. He's like promising, at least, you know. Um, he's definitely, he can definitely D, which they need. Well, he's uh, better than uh, Josh Jackson. Way better than Josh Jackson. <laughs> uh, and he also doesn't have any of his off court baggage. Yeah. Uh, and then a 2020, they t- then they traded their 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick, their own, uh, for Javon Carter, who's like 88 years old, and Kyle Corver, who is, you know, not on their team anymore. Did you uh, mention the TJ Warren dump yet? Oh, oh yeah. yeah that, that was during the draft, so I didn't even have... What was that? That was... I mean, you can mention they that. They traded, like, I think, number 32 yeah. off of TJ Warren. Warren. To the Pacers. Yeah. 
Right, and it's like some team would have just they you could have gotten an asset for TJ Warren. I'm a hundred percent. It might have been a bullshit asset, but you could have gotten something for Warren. You don't have to attach an early second to dump Warren. And it's and like even if you do, what are you clearing that space for? Like well, for they, Kyler they, Johnson. No, they cleared it. They cleared it for Rubio, but then they miscalculated all their other moves and how that would like add up. That's why they had to clear the space. For Rubio with that Josh Jackson trade, and then they gave Ubre. I forgot what he got. His deal actually wasn't bad. I think it was like three years, forty-five maybe, or something like that. I mean, nothing else. I mean, at that point, really, what can you say? But um, yeah, the Suns had. I get what they were trying to do. They wanted to get like solid guys that maybe they don't have the upside because that's been like the thing they keep going for and failing with around Booker that can just like fit in roles and shit and play and be, I don't know, solid players and human beings but fucking hell man that is that's a hell of a transaction list also they were apparently going to sign rogier but then uh jordan jordan and <laughs> for rogier so uh i guess they got I, rubio is better than rogier so shout out to them for that yeah. way better uh yeah so doug you had a uh you had a you had a book. Oh, let's thing? also yeah, I do. But let's also mention that uh, they also fired their coach again. Oh, you know, the, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the coach that coached Luca, and they decided to draft DeAndre Ayton first oh. overall instead of Luca. That's that's a different offseason. Oh yeah, and also, but I will say Monty Williams is like for a batshit crazy organization that has way too many young guys. He is probably the perfect. <laughs> rebuilding coach for them i genuinely mean that i really like monty williams you yeah, know it's nice that, it's nice that they actually get the coach but the idea is just more like i want to say that like oh, of course. they're still cycling through coaches yeah. but uh so and also great human being monty williams yeah so um here's the thing with booker and bill simmons mentioned this on zach Lowe's podcast here the, the idea of you know it would have been great if he went to team usa and played with them in FIBA. Instead, he decided to play pickup basketball and get mad when people double team him. And I'll I'm tell with you right him now. on that, by the way. What are oh you with? my god! All right, I'm gonna, we're gonna Simon's, table that. Simon's a millennial. All right, we're gonna table that for a second. <laughs> but um, so we just watched Frank basically more or less like carry the team in the fourth quarter to a victory. And there's still people out there who are like, oh, he played against, like, the D squad for the USA that see him doing it in an NBA game. If Devin Booker, like, led a comeback for the USA to get them into the semifinals and, like, got and did the same exact thing that Frank did with Team USA against, you know, if if you swapped, basically, what Frank did and Devin Booker did to Team USA, the NBA internet wouldn't shut the fuck up about, oh, my God, Devin Booker took the step final. And, like, look at him now. He finally did it. He's carrying a team. It's all the Suns' fault. And we would have just heard all this love for Devin Booker, who fucking sucks. He puts up empty stats on the (laughs) shittiest organization in the entire league. He doesn't play defense. And he fucking bitches about, oh, no, why are you double-teaming me in practice? Like, grow the fuck up. Like, fucking spare me. I don't want to hear people talk about how good he is. Great. He averages 25 points on a shitty team. Wonderful. Like, fucking spare me. That was my take. He fucking sucks, and if he did this, on t- if he did what Frank did with USA, we wouldn't stop hearing about how amazing Devin Booker is. Alright, so, two things. One, the reason that I think that double-teaming, what his complaint was, was founded, is just because there's, like, pickup isn't about winning. Like, pickup is, is old school. Pickup's about, like, 
playing basketball, right? You're not trying to win a fucking championship out there. You're not trying to employ, like, zone defense and shit. Like, just guard your man and, yeah, help if he if he beats his man off the dribble. Like, you can obviously help, but, like, just doubling a guy on the three-point line and making him give it up every time, like, what's the fucking point of that? I, I completely agree with him. He wasn't, he didn't, like, go out there and make a huge point about it. He just said some shit in the game. Like, He's a professional crazy? basketball player. How about be better if you're that good? But these guys were professionals, too. This wasn't, if he was playing on a court with, like, nine dudes at the YMCA, he should just be beating triple teams. But these guys were, like, <laughs> legit. Okay, but if he's this good and he's this great offensive player, he should just be able to navigate a double team. And he was. He was passing out of it. Like, he was getting trapped in the corner by capable guys. He was passing out of it. That's what... That's who the are the... Okay, who are the capable guys? Like, you, I, you just... I don't remember who they are. They're, like, leaguers or, or, like... Okay, no, it was, it was, like, it was, like, there were legit NBA players on the floor. Though. I think, like, no, Noah was the guy that said, basically told him to shut the fuck up. Um, and there were a couple other guys out there. I, I, I think Ben Simmons was in the game. I'm pretty sure yeah. Ben Simmons was in that game. It was, it was like a legit NBA pickup game. It wasn't bullshit. So I actually didn't have a problem with that. I kind of think that got taken out of context. But at the same time, it's, I'm also like, I mean, dude, you get doubled all year. So like, who cares? Like, just deal with it. It's not that big a deal. Ben, but I don't think he made it that big a deal. Do you he know didn't. He said one thing and then like, that was kind of the end of it. So that's, that's the thing there. In terms of like him putting up empty stats on a bad team, I mean, Look, I, I, as much as I defend Booker and I, I'm going to defend him, like, I'm not going to claim that he would definitely drive winning. Because to me, it's all about proving it. Like, guys have to prove what they can do with better surrounding talent. I'm never, I'm never that guy who's like, look at these numbers that player X put up with this help. Imagine how good he'd be, like, with better help. Because it's like, numbers come within certain contexts and they change in other contexts. And, and driving winning is something very different. Um, and and I'm sensitive to that, and I'm all about proving it, too, because, like, we just don't know until we see it. That being said, in theory, Devin Booker's number should translate because he's pretty efficient. Like, he's not, like, uber-efficient, but he was 58.4% true shooting last year. Like, that's that, really that is pretty. For, that is kind of, like, uber-efficient. Yeah, I mean, it's not Harden-Curry-Durant levels, Kawhi levels, but it's, like, for a lead go-to guy who's putting on his usage that's really good and the way I look at it is like that's more impressive when you look at the talent around him like this team has just been a fucking joke they're like a little bit better than the hinky era Sixers in terms of supporting cast so like I'm not again he hasn't proven anything yet I'm I would never say like Devin Devin Booker's an all-star level player right now but I just think he's proven everything that he realistically could as a 22 year old on a shitty team. So like when I, when I hasn't proved anything, he's proven that he can't lead his team past 20 victories. Like that's all he's proven. He's younger than rookies still. Like, yeah. And if he's supposedly this level of talented, he should be able to lead a Suns team to more than 20 victories. So, so I agree with you. He's not like some people say he's already a superstar, already like uh, an all NBA level player. I don't see him that way. I agree. He's not that player yet, but I think he's an awesome prospect. And he's, he came into the league so young that I just think people forget that he's still a prospect. Even and he had a chance to prove himself and he decided to play pickup basketball with Joakim Noah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I, he, I, he I can't, I can't get over himself. that. I, he, like he had a chance. Forget. Forget any of the only point that Simmons made that I completely agree with. Forget all the other shit. Is like, forget. He hasn't played a meaningful game in, since since his 
the the final four game they lost to Wisconsin when he was at Kentucky. That was the last time he played a meaningful basketball game. Ever since then, they basically won like 25 games or less. I think they won 25 his rookie year, then they won like 23, and then they they keep like subtracting actual players from their team and adding garbage, and it's like, whatever. I, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but that's what, what happened. But it's like, go play in FIBA. Go get coached by Popovich. Go get coached by Steve Kerr. Go get coached by fucking Jay Wright. Like, go get coached by guys that are way better than what you've been dealing with in fucking Phoenix. Like, what, Hornacek and g- whatever garbage they've had there, okay? Like, just go get a real coach. Enjoy that experience. Go play with real players. Go play with real NBA players, okay? Uh, go play against in games that matter. Go play on the international stage where the crowd is good. The crowd, like, the crowd these games that are into it. It's a different atmosphere. He has not, I guarantee you, there is no fucking atmosphere at fucking it's no like bullshit arena in talking sticks resort arena. Yeah, fucking shut the fuck up arena. Whatever it is there, okay? I don't care what it is. Go play in an actual game that matters. Show me what you can do, and then maybe if you then when you prove your, I think he would have actually done really well. By the way, yeah, you know who you, you know who they you know who the team is they needed against France. Someone like Devin Booker who can like stretch the floor and do something on offense. Create, like create. Exactly. Like, he's, as good as like Mitchell is, Mitchell is pretty good. Just in terms of pure offense, like Booker is way better at creating. Like he's a way better creator. His vision is way better. Um, whatever. Like he's a better he ball has, handler. He has so much feel. Yeah. Like, and it like, but that's, but like that's the point. It's like, go play in that game. Go play in those games. He would have killed it for them. I think he was, I don't, I hate saying this because it's like, how do you can't prove it? But I just, I get the sense that like, you add him to that team, they probably have enough to, to get the gold. And instead, he's fucking playing pickup, doing nothing, and it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't understand that at all. Like, to me, if you're, I can, I would have understood more if guys like Jalen Brown and Tatum and Marcus Smart were like, you know what? No, we want to get ready for the season. You want to know why? Because they have been in the playoffs for three years in a row and they have made two conference finals and they went to the second round last year. Like they actually have a reason to want to cherish their summers because they consistently get to later rounds of the playoffs and they actually have put some wear and tear on their bodies. Devin Booker is aware. First, he doesn't play half the fucking season because the team has to shut him down because they're like, we're going to tank. So he doesn't play half the season. I mean, the, game, the Suns season is over November 1st. So. Right. Like, like he, none of this shit matters. And then just to go back to, like, the point of, like, well, he's had the horrible teams around him. I think anybody – Simon, I'm sure you know this. Everybody that listens to the show knows this. Drew Scherzfeld knows this. We are not fans of Kristaps Porzingis here, okay? We're not fans of Kristaps Porzingis. Fuck that guy. But you look at Kristaps' last healthy half a season in New York, Okay. Genuinely go back and look at that roster. That roster was shit. It was garbage. It's a garbage roster. Okay. Uh, I don't, Jared Jack was the second best player on the team. Yeah. I, I don't know if you really want to, we don't need to sit here and parse through and compare <laughs> how that roster compares to like Devin Booker's rosters in Phoenix or whatever, but like. It, it's trash-tastic. Yeah. They're, they're, it was a terrible roster. And when Kristaps was on the floor, they were, like he literally lifted them by himself to an average defense. And for most of the, like, until he got hurt, I think they were hovering around average offensively, okay? Um, like, that shows me that you have, like, 
you're not just putting up numbers. Because actually his numbers weren't even that great. It was like 22-7 no. uh, on 50, below 54 true shooting. Like not really that great. But he is having a tangible impact on the game. Devin Booker gets lauded. Like he's having this fucking – they can't get him out of the – they were 28th in offense last year. You're a fucking offensive god. Get your fucking team out of the bottom five on offense. That's not a high st- – I'm not setting you with some high standard. Get get your team out of the bottom five on offense. Then you can come talk to me, and then we'll talk about your situation and how you're tired of not making the playoffs. But before that, just shut the fuck up. Go play FIBA. Go get real coaches. Go play with real NBA players. Go get real experience, and then we can talk. But until then, just shut up and and go away. Like, I don't want to hear about how he, the Suns are doing him dirty. Because you know what? He didn't need to sign that extension. He wanted the money. He took the money. So, you know, fucking lay in your bed made of cash and enjoy that. Booker, he should have played. I have no disagreement. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we just went off on Devin Booker on a next podcast, but here we are. That's what we're here for. That's that's how we got to do it. I think that's a good way to... uh, Yeah, Suns are going to win like... Yeah, I'm glad we spent so much time talking about Booker and don't have to talk about the rest of this. <laughs> the team fucking sucks. They're going to win maybe 15 games this year, whatever it, it is. Sucks. Like. That was the worst pick. By the way, their over-under is 29 and a half. Like, 29 and a half? 29 and a half, which is fucking nuts. Like, Memphis is lower. I, I Who set the line? Like, a bunch of fucking Wolves fans that still <laughs> this That's insane. I would set the over-under at, like, 22. It's still I, I, they won 19 games last year. I'm pretty sure their like expected win loss was lower or, or around the same, and they're expected to win 10 or 11 more games. 11, they have to win 11 more games. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. They can, they could probably win 25 games. Yeah, it's I actually don't. funny because if they had had the same offseason the Knicks had, I would be like, oh yeah, maybe over, or I'd just be like, lay off that line, just like don't touch that line because it's kind of like in that area where you're like maybe, maybe not. Whatever. But I don't know. Like, I hate their summer, and I hate Aiton. That's actually my biggest holdup in this, because as much as I'm shit on Booker, at least Booker is – we can debate how good, but I think, like, you do put him on a, a decent team. Like, he's going to at least give you value somewhere, right? Yeah, if Booker's, like, the third guy on a team, like a yeah. good team. I would be like, yeah, he's that. That's his perfect role for him. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I'm, like, I could, I could agree, I, even though I don't I don't like Devin Booker, but he does have some sort of value. He would. He can't be the first guy – he can't be the second guy, but if he's the third guy, yeah, I would be like, that's a really good team. Just like yeah. James Harden was when he was 22. Yeah, but oh, James God. Harden, really? We're, we're going to do that? Okay. All right. Let's just so, say I don't think Devin Booker is James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, that Aiton pick is so bad. It's it so really bad, is. especially because if your entire plan is, like, let's build a team around Devin Booker. Yeah, I agree. Let's build a team around Devin Booker. Let's try and get the players that we need to make Devin Booker, you know, let, let's get the best out of him. Why don't you draft the best playmaking, like, big guard available? Why don't you just draft Luka Doncic? Why don't you do that? Doesn't that make sense? Is it, is that just me? I don't know. That, maybe it's just me. I didn't see, like, how Aiton did anything for them. It's like, okay, you got a big man who can get you 20 and 10, but can't defend a chair. Or uh, draft Jaron Jackson or something. Yeah, or, yeah, exact, or that. Or, like, that was the, yeah, just do that. If you want to go big, at least get a big man that has any defensive capability and like has a motor and doesn't seem like he's a, sh- a shitty Dwight Howard. Like 
like a wannabe. He has like the personality of Dwight without any of the game of early Dwight. DeAndre Ayton is basically, um, I don't know how do you say, was it Bahaman? Bahaman? What's someone from the Bahamas? Bahamian. Bahamian? He's a Bahamian and his canter. That's who uh, DeAndre Ayton is. Yeah, like we make fun of Cat all the time in our PNT Slack and we're like, (laughs) you just can't can't with better stats. But like, like Cat, like Cat's a perfect example. I would never rail on Cat the same way I just railed on Booker because Cat showed me last year, like, okay, I can take this shit ass team and we'll at least win 35 games and i'm like okay like all right so maybe you're not anthony davis like a lot of people were saying you were but you're still really good yeah you're still really good and that that's good like that's 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 a genuine thing and maybe if andrew wiggins was thinking of a max salary slot on your team you'd be legit (laughs) but like 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 booker man just you know just win if he wins 27 games this year i'll shut the fuck up about devin booker i'll be like no no he's good just got to get him out of Phoenix. But, like, come on, man. Just, like, push over 25. You know, just get over that 25 win mark. It'll be nice. I'll be happy for you. That seems like a fair bar to set <laughs> over 25 wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, I think this is a good point to, uh, to end it. Uh, Simon, do you want to plug anything? Uh, nothing to plug. Check out the Benchmob NBA and, uh, I am, I'm gonna have some, some big personal news dropping soon, so you can see that if you follow me on Twitter at Simon Sego. Oh, that should be, uh, that should be exciting. Can't wait to see that. Uh, Schwinn, what are you plugging? Uh, I still have writer's block. Uh, <laughs> I think, but I do, I do think this, this France, that, that France game over the US, uh, I can feel it. I can feel the juice, the juice coming back to my fingertips. Um, we're close. We're really close. Um, yeah, I was like, I was itching to write a little bit today, but then I didn't, but I'm, I'm going to, I can definitely feel it. It's coming soon, guys. I know everybody's, they're, they're waiting with data. The streets breath. are clamoring for yeah. it. Scratch that in all of us. Yeah. Everybody is dying for my next piece to drop, which will just going to be like some season preview of somebody. Uh, but the season preview of Lance Thomas off the dicks. Yeah. Like how happy are we? Very happy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I got. Um, I'm going to plug the posting and toasting show hosted by Ashwin Ramnath and Drew Steele. Um, I want to plug, uh, co-host or substitute host, uh, Budum for his <laughs> video today on a uh, Frank and Kemba, which was perfection. So go to posting and toasting and watch that. Dude, and the Jordan, the Jordan, the Jordan, Jordan thing commentary killed, I, it killed I me. died. I died. That shit was so funny. And uh, yeah, so definitely watch that. And I'm actually almost done with a Frank Nilakina preview. So stay tuned for that. I finally got out of my writer's block since, you know, we're too busy doing a podcast. You can only put so much of creative effort into a, we- a weekly podcast. <laughs> yeah, a weekly podcast. You can only put so much creative energy into, you know, multiple things. But I do have a article coming soon, hopefully. And that's it. And see you until next week. Bye.